Youth Ministry Institute original podcast. Welcome to the Making Sense of Ministry podcast, the podcast designed to help you lead well in your ministry, transform lives, and impact generations. I'm Brian Lawson, back again with Kirsten Knox. Hey, Kirsten. Hey, Brian. Hey, everyone. So we are right in the middle of season five, which is all about volunteers, uh, which reminded me, Kirsten, that I first got into youth ministry because I was asked to volunteer. Uh, But what's so interesting about my ask to volunteer is I did not grow up in church. I had no idea what youth group was. I didn't know what this thing was. And I had just started coming to this church, uh, brand new in faith. And this guy comes over and says, hey, I've got some teenagers. You want to come help hang out with us and help us out? And I said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, your first time volunteering, you had never experienced youth group before. Never, not once. I didn't even know what youth group was. Oh, that's funny. Now, there there was a time um, when I was about 15 or so that I went maybe went to church just a little bit. And I guess I, I guess that would have been a youth group-ish, but it's nothing like what I have now understand youth group to be. So I'm not sure that I would really classify as youth youth group as we understand it. Um, So anyways, yeah. So for the most part, yeah, I had no clue, (laughs) no idea. I didn't really know who the guy was. Uh, I just was willing, I guess. Yeah. I was going to say, why'd you say yes, you think, in that moment? uh, Because I was young and didn't really, you know, was like, sure, why not? Let's see what this thing's all about. (laughs) So I had no idea what I was saying yes to. um, And I, when I showed up, I had no idea what I was supposed to do. Like I had no clue. Um, I was just there and I observed for a little while and um, jumped in when I could. And I think it helped that I was young. I was kind of closer to their age. That probably made it easier for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's not always true with our volunteers. Right. They're not always close to to their age. They're not always as willing or maybe naive as I was, I don't know, you choose the word. Um, <laughs> uh, and so uh, oftentimes they're intimidated or, or afraid. Yes. Uh, yes. Fair. And, yeah. I don't think I was afraid. I was too young to be afraid at that point in time. But if I was to like go in a situation where somebody asked me to volunteer with something that I had never been to before now, I think I would probably be a little more hesitant and unsure and uncertain. So Kirsten, did you, have you ever volunteered? I was trying to think, I was like, well, the first time I started was probably paid because I started right after, started in youth ministry right after I graduated college. However, there was a season in my mid twenties when I worked at one church and when I started um, working, helping, we started doing events with this other church and most of the volunteers there became like my friends. They were my age. So those are the people like became my community. So on off nights, cause they met on a different night, I would actually for a while volunteered their youth ministry because it was a different night than my youth ministry and all my friends were a part of that ministry so wait 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 let's hold on let me just clarify <laughs> you were a paid youth minister yes. at one church and yes. then you on another night volunteered as a as a leader in another youth ministry at another church i did yes and yes sure <laughs> well we're not in competition with one another right Churches are not in competition like, with one another. We're all on the same team. But this is a pretty good setup. Maybe we're on to something here. Like maybe we all just volunteer for each other's ministries and we help fill the gap. Yes. The void. There you go. Probably, probably <laughs> not a variety of us, nights. But... 
Yes. And wow. probably on some, yeah, I volunteered and felt like I was hanging out with my friends. But yes, looking back, that probably does, I say that out loud and that feels different, but it felt normal at the time. <laughs> and that that youth minister was probably like, I've struck gold here. This is the yeah. best. Yes. And then we started doing things with our youth groups together. And yeah, huh. it was funny. That is funny. <laughs> I did not know that. Wow. So, okay. So you probably had some idea what you were doing, at least a little bit. I mean, you were young, right? You're still working and growing and developing an understanding of ministry. Uh, But you had some idea of the overall goal. Mm -hmm. I walked into my situation having no idea what the goal was. And in fact, for a while, I think I thought we were just playing games and spending time, you know, like not really Mm -hmm. even trying to achieve anything, uh, really. And so uh, little different experiences. So we have to recognize that, that our volunteers come from a variety of different places in their life and different Mm -hmm. expectations. And they may come into the ministry understanding, but most often they don't. Yeah. And if they, and if they do understand, they probably are bringing in whatever their experience was like in youth ministry. So if they were a part of a student ministry, what was valuable to them? So on some levels, even bringing in, they may have some ideas, but there's also probably some reshaping that happens when you, so yeah, either they're clueless, right? They have no experience or they come in kind of sometimes with their own values and maybe agenda on some cases. Yeah. And that's also true for those in kids ministry as well. I mean, they've got an expectation of like maybe what Sunday school was like for them 30 years ago or more, depending on how old they are. Um, Mm -hmm. And we all know the world has changed dramatically. The church has changed dramatically. Ministries, how we do ministry has shifted. So even if they do have experience from a long time ago and those expectations, it's from a whole different world. Right. Yeah. Which really just speaks to the value of creating a process for onboarding. Like, how do you do that when you have people? Um, And what does that look like? Which is great because that's what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And if you missed episode uh, five, I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode five. In that episode of the season, we talk about the documents that you need, the types of documents Mm -hmm. that you need uh, that will help eliminate frustration for you as a ministry leader. Uh, But in this episode, we're really kind of leaning into what does the process look like of acclimating a volunteer to the new role and to the ministry. Imagine landing your dream ministry role or engaging with a community of other youth and children's ministers as you learn practical tools and enriching insights together. Whether you are looking for your next ministry job or you are looking for ways to grow your skills as a leader, we have opportunities for you. Head over to yminstitute.com to learn more. And now, back to the episode. So Kirsten, did did you have like a checklist process that you like, here's step one, step two? Like, are you that organized where you've got the workflow of exactly how they're going to do it every single time? No, I did not. I... <laughs> Particularly once they said yes, right? Because depending on what they said yes to and their personality and their experience level, I found in that there was some key things that I wanted to happen, mm-hmm. but there was there was a lot of flexibility and it was very um, individualized based on that individual. So yeah. I did not. Brian, did you have a so, process? Not officially, um, but... There was a point where the ministry started to get larger and I needed some systems. 
So mm. I think maybe it's contextual based off the size of kids ministry or youth ministry that you're serving yeah. in. Um, if it's a little smaller, it's easier to manage and be more flexible. But eventually, if you get to a certain size, um, you have you probably have somebody else helping you manage that onboarding process, mm-hmm. and you need to make sure that they have all the steps that they need to follow. Yeah. Uh, so it does become a little more systematized, so you don't miss out. So, I, so no, most of the time I did not have an exact process. I played it uh, case by case basis based off, um, like you said, the role that the person's going to go into. And also how did I feel like they understood when we had conversations that they really understand what we were trying to accomplish. Um, And if, if I felt like they had a real good grasp, I probably would um, shortcut some of the process a little bit. Um, I'm not sure that always worked out the best though. Like mm, you know, true. maybe it was good, maybe it wasn't. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I think in this in this episode, like we're going to try to highlight um, some key pieces, right? Some things mm-hmm. that we saw that worked um, that may be helpful to our listeners. Yeah, I would say the first thing that I learned, and it probably is real simple, is introducing them. Mm-hmm. Like when they said yes and they come for the first time, I did not do that well in the beginning. And I realized I like, it's real awkward. They've shown up as students are like, there's this new adult or maybe there's new several adults, depending on what season, you know, like what time of year it was, but being able to introduce them. And so that helped them make some of those connections um, was key. So when you say introduce them, what is, what does that, does that mean? Like you, you stood them up in front of all the young people and said, Hey, here's so-and-so they're going to volunteer with us. Like how was your introduction? what did that look like? Yeah. It would depend on what their role was. So for, um, but usually when they came for the first, like when the first night started and they show up, I would walk them around and introduce them to students. Like, Hey, this is John. He's starting with us. Just want to make sure you guys know who he is, blah, blah, blah. And maybe say something fun about him. And so there was more of that informal, um, or then later in the night when we got to more of the programming side and we were on stage to be able to say, Hey, I just want to introduce. And we would like at the beginning of the year, you did that with all your small group leaders. Yeah. Um, so if it happened throughout, then we would just say, Hey, we just want to welcome. So excited. John's going to be one of our adult leaders, blah, blah, blah. So now, did you make them stand up in front of everybody? That's I'm asking this for a yes, reason. That's, yes. Um, if, sometimes yes. Okay. It depends on different ministries I served in where if it, yeah, I would bring them up. Yeah. So probably yes. That's okay. probably yes. So <laughs> I, I, I and the introverts and in listening to this all just cringe like, no, don't I make know. me go up up there. So, I would make them speak so that I would oftentimes oh, do good. a lot of the talking for them. That's good. So I think wanted to. I would introduce them too. And I love your that you mentioned about informally introducing them to people. And that is key, I think, um, in knowing who to introduce them to. So mm-hmm. you want them to obviously know all of the other adult leaders and volunteers. That is for certain. You need to introduce them. Uh, but also the key young people. Uh, or the key families, the ones who, you know, who influence all of the others in the best yes. way, the the, yeah. the best kind of influence. Those are the introductions you definitely want to make, uh, because when a young person's like, "Hey, who is that?" Well, the one you've introduced, like, "Oh yeah, that they're here to they're starting to volunteer," and then it's done, right? This conversation's over; they can move on, and all's good. Um, but I would not. I never made my volunteers come up mm. on in front. Although mm. I would, that's, some I'd people say might their be name. like, "Good." <laughs> yeah, I'd say their name and let them wave from the back of the room or or the side okay. of the room or wherever they were. Um, usually, if they're new, they were mm-hmm. towards the side or back because they weren't fully 
engaged yet. Um, but uh, yeah, so introductions are important. I think we can easily easily overlook overlook that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I started because I wanted the adult to feel more comfortable, but what I recognize, it really made students also feel more comfortable. Mm. And that was a game that I didn't always understand until I, because kids were like, who is this? Yeah. So yes, introduction seems simple, but I think it's important to set the tone. Yeah, I think for me, um, I, the introduction was usually about the the people in the room knowing who that person was. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to say that you started because you wanted the volunteer to feel comfortable. Yeah. The new volunteer. Uh, so it's really both of those things happening. Um, but we started in different places uh, to get mm-hmm. to how that introduction was important. So yeah. that's good. You know, I also, one of the things that I found helpful was to integrate the new volunteer into my team as soon as possible. So, mm-hmm. you know, even even at times before uh, they came to our main programming. So they may have come, there were times where I would let somebody come to observe and kind of get a feel for what it's like if they were kind of feeling uncertain about whether they wanted to commit or not, or they were like me and didn't even know what youth group was. Uh, <laughs> right. So maybe, maybe they come in and observe or um, see pieces of it in action, or um, I've even let them volunteer on like a, like a trip or something small that's in town uh, where they don't, they don't play a super critical role, but it's enough to give them a taste of what it's yes. like. Um, but once, once they've gotten to that point and they've said yes, then in my mind, I want to make them feel part of the team and the family of the team as quickly as possible. Um, mm. Not just like I'm an outsider coming in, but the, we, I'm now part of the we in this state. Yes. Um, yes. So the sooner I could do that, the better I felt like. Yeah. Speaking to that belonging, right? That you belong. How would you do that? Like, how would you help them feel a part of the team? Yeah. So we, we had trainings regularly. Um, and so we're going to hit that in another episode and we'll go down that path, but um, getting them into those trainings. And every time my team met, we did something fun every time. Like so it. whether it was fun as in we had to go somewhere at fun, or we did something there together where we were meeting like on campus or whatever. But uh, if you can laugh together um, and, and, you know, hear one another, it, it goes a long way because as an adult, let's be honest, how many places can you go and, I don't know, flip cups on a table and joke around and laugh like that. I mean, most places that adults go that do that usually has adult beverages as well. So Correct. I mean, <laughs> how many places do well, adults nowadays get to really do that? Um, and so it really builds that team. Yes, I do. You can laugh together. It does. There's a unity in laughter that I think is yeah, so yeah. fun and valuable in that space. Yeah. So Kirsten, we we you've introduced them. Uh, from my perspective, I try to integrate them into the team as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, was there other things that you found helpful when you're trying to help that new volunteer feel comfortable and engaged and moving forward? I would give them something to do. Like mm. particularly most youth ministries that I serve in, there's like a hang time or 
in the beginning, right? Some free time. And I always felt like that's where I could lose them because if you don't have a job, that feels very intimidating and overwhelming. And so giving them something to do in that space, whether they helped checked in students or they helped serve dinner, like whatever needed to happen or helped at the Foursquare Court, you know, whatever that was. As we um, learned in them... episode five, <laughs> yes. helping at the Foursquare Court where they all argue about who's in and who's out. It's very valuable. So you got to be careful because <laughs> not everyone likes to be the referee in that space. But um, giving them something tangible to do and not just feel like they have to hang out. I felt Mm -hmm. like that was also like, that was key of being able. And I probably learned that through feedback. People, you know, you're like, Hey, you want to come hang out with us? And they're like, yeah, what does that really mean? (laughs) What does hang out mean? So yeah, what am I supposed to do? So they, they had the job that they did, that they did that night. Did they stay in that role or was it something you just gave it to them one time? And then the next week, maybe you changed it or kind of moved them to different places. How did that generally work? I usually would move them or I would move them around. Um, if I felt like they had skills to be able to do that, um, or if they were more like in one area, like I would try to put them in an area that I felt like leaned into their gifts. So Mm would move them around. Cause like on a, when we're doing that time, you want to spread out your adults. So you have adults everywhere. Right. And so I usually assign adults to different spaces. All right. So you're going to be here. You're going to be here. So we know that everything's covered and we have eyes, you know, like, and being able to connect with students. So sometimes I would put them usually in an area and say, okay, here's, here's what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, yeah. And I had one, one time I had this adult that was super, she loved just connecting. Like if she could sit and have a one-on-one conversation with students, she'd feel like she'd won the lottery. So I'm like, okay, so your job during dinner is just to sit around tables and talk to students. And that's what she did. And I mean, I was like, she loved it. So her is the best job in the world. Yeah. Like I never moved her because like she would have felt like I had taken something from her. So she's like, during the same time, your job is to hang out in the cafe and just have conversations one-on-one. She's like, yes. Yeah. And I love this idea of, and I would do the same, putting an, a new adult leader into a role uh, to explore whether it fits them or not um, mm-hmm. and and give them opportunities to be in different spots potentially, especially early on as they're trying to find their way. Uh, I also love the idea of putting them in a role that is meaningful, that they can find meaningful, but also isn't detrimental if it doesn't go well. So that yes. way, that way they can learn and when and grow and feel more confidence, like to build their confidence. Because that's really what we're trying to do. We want to make the volunteer feel comfortable, to feel like they're part of the group, and to build confidence in themselves and their ability to serve in the ministry. Uh, yes. So, I mean, that practically, like small groups, for instance, if if they're potentially going to be a small group leader, not being the lead person in the small group, like just mm-hmm. let them be there as the second adult who's there for safety reasons and, you know, we'll engage with kids some and learn and observe, you know, that's a good way. Yes. And I've learned too, like if they're that second person, then to tell them what their role is as that second person, right? You're going to help sit not next to the other leader, right? Sit with the students, help do some crowd control while they're having small groups. So like they felt like, okay, I have something to do versus just sit here. And I found also being able just to articulate, this is overwhelming and can feel intimidating. Yeah. Like, I think naturally most people feel that way. And if we don't speak it, then they feel like they're, they're unique in that. Like they'll look around and be like, look at all these volunteers that feel so confident. I'm the one that struggles, like feeling overwhelmed. And, um, I found, no, we all like, we, 
for us, when everyone started, it felt intimidating. And some of us still, there are moments of it being intimidating, depending on what's happening. So being able to speak that, I think, helped them feel like, oh, okay, this is normal. Yeah, yeah. Another another thing, too, that I found helpful um, was I would try to pull them into the game or like that we're doing it at youth group that night. So I don't know if you were somebody who played games or if, or if you're the leader who just runs the game and never plays the game. <laughs> you know, I was a little bit of both depending on what the game was and the night. And sometimes I would, other leaders would lead the game and I would be there. Um, so I would intentionally pull them if I could almost like pulling them beside me, shoulder to shoulder into the game, whatever it is. Um, especially if I felt like they were somebody who would respond well to that. Uh, my mm-hmm. goal is to get them to see that they can relax a little there and to um and to have some fun also that yeah, to be able to serve and it's also fun and it's both and that's okay. Yes, we hope, right? We for this to work, you're gonna have to experience both of those. Yeah. Being the scorekeeper always helped in that space too, part of the game, because I can't run a game and keep the score because mm-hmm. I will flub that up and then I will hear about it. <laughs> From the students, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, that was the other. Can you help, like, pull them in and then help them do something that helps actually facilitate that game so they get to be a part of it? Yeah. And something happens, uh, I think, in the trust level that young people have with adults when they see an adult who's willing to get down and play with them. Yes. Whatever yeah. that looks like and whatever age that looks like. Uh, you, you know, you are building a connection with those young people um, and they're seeing that you really care about their world. And so mm-hmm. when you've done that play with them, then they're more likely to hear you or seek you out uh, when it's something serious that they want some support in. So it's a good way to bring in a volunteer to let them start to build that relationship. And they don't even know that's happening to them. They're just doing something silly that they've never done before. Yes. You're like, the value is much bigger than we than they even understand in that moment. And you're like, yes, yeah. winning. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, for this episode, we hope we've given you some thoughts on how was the process actually look like to onboard. You know, we've both kind of mentioned kind of easing the volunteer into the role, helping them explore different possibilities, uh, integrating them into your adult volunteer team and young people as quickly as possible, making them feel comfortable introducing them. Um, all of those things are important. And if you notice, Kirsten, I'm not sure, I didn't realize this when we were doing this, but all of that is about helping them build confidence in themselves. And the second part is to build relationships with the other yes. people. Yeah. And those are those are both very critical pieces in onboarding a new volunteer. So friends, uh, as always, if you enjoyed this episode, if you leave us a rating or review, we'd appreciate it. Perhaps share it with others that you know. And until next time, I hope we've helped you make sense of this thing we call ministry. To learn more how we might guide you towards success in youth or children's ministries, head over to yminstitute.com.